0: You messed up, Greg. How did I mess up? Our domain name. What do you mean? Well, our domain is welcometothemusic.com, right? Yeah. Where people should go to listen to the podcast. But do you know what was available that we could have had? What was? Podcast.com.
1: For how much money?
0: I don't know. Amazon just purchased it. we could have had it (laughs) we could have (laughs) there was a price for it i think podcast.com or and i think podcasting.com as well i thought that was quite humorous question for you greg yeah the economic impact of live music in toronto in 2019 what would you peg the dollar figure to be
1: I thought I saw this number, but I may not have don't know eight hundred and fifty two
0: point two million dollars.
1: I was going to take a stab at a billion.
0: yeah so our friend Matt Elliott, mm-hmm. who's been on the who's been on the welcome with Kareem kanji podcast
1: and co-host Greg Tilston.
0: co-host Greg Tilsten
1: if you forget
0: me yet again. <laughs> He uh, he did well there was a, a report. Oh, who did the report?
1: Was this what you sent me earlier today that I haven't yes. had a chance to look at?
0: Yes. Take a look at it. It's it's really interesting. Anyways, this company did this report. Toronto has about 588 music venues in the city. But that also includes library branches that sometimes host performances. Sure. Uh, what, else, what else is in here? There's 11 venues. I couldn't find w- which venues they were, but 11 that have closed permanently since uh, the beginning of the pandemic. And according to Matt's research, each venue that closes in Toronto costs an average of 10 full-time equivalent jobs. Five hundred seventy-five thousand in annual GDP contributions, and one hundred forty-eight thousand in provincial and federal taxes.
1: Yep, it's going to be a a big loss as this carries on, and uh, it's not going to get any better with the lockdowns—not the lockdowns, but the um, the measures that were taken—the restrictions that were taken last week.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, and apparently insurance companies, yes, they don't have they're not able to assess the potential risks yet.
1: And businesses are starting to l- litigate with their insurance companies over damages.
0: Yeah. So apparently there's no precedence mm-hmm. to this pandemic with which to create the actuarial tables needed to set insurance rates.
1: Not even insurance rates. It's also, I mean, it will be insurance rates, but it's also claims of damages to date. Yeah. So if you had insurance that would cover, it's now trying to get that money out of your insurance company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. So if people are interested in that report, it was authored by Nordicity. Nordicity. And it's a case and path forward for Toronto's live music industry. You can be found on the toronto.ca, which I guess is the City of Toronto website. Very interesting. It's a 53-page report.
1: What I wanted to ask you... Yeah. ...was did you see the tweet that Stephen Fearing put out... And former
0: alumni of uh, Welcome to the Music.
1: Former guest of Welcome to the Music. and friend no. of the. It was about the evolution of the music industry by revenue, by medium. And what, what I was able to calculate based on very rough numbers was an indie musician To earn minimum wage on Spotify streams needs six million streams a year.
0: Six million streams a year to pay for?
1: Just to earn minimum wage off their Spotify.
0: Holy shit. That
1: was based on a Google query of how much do Spotify streams pay, which according to this one was... Uh, $0.00437. So I basically took minimum wage, divided it by 0.44, I think, or 437 of of a cent, Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: got me to 6 million streams. And we wonder why things are in trouble. So you know what I suggested?
0: Yeah.
1: Which I firmly believe in. Uh Uh-huh. Buy. Buy the album, buy the download, buy whatever format of your choice, directly from the artist if possible. Yeah. Then stream on Spotify. Because now they're getting the one end and they're getting the stream on the other end.
0: And they're getting the stream on the other end. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery.
2: Hi, my name is Elizabeth Rodriguez. And I'm Magdalene Savigne. Welcome to the music.
0: All right. Welcome. That's perfect. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yes.
2: Thank, you. No, thank you thank you so us. much for having us
0: thanks for reminding me to press the record button good <laughs> imagine it is very very important i am so glad you brought your guitar i see a guitar
2: uh oh, a bass. well that's a bass and the guitars are here guitars
0: <laughs> violin this is the, like the instrument room do you guys want to play something for us um, I've never asked that question to anybody, but I just. So it. We can do
2: a little part of, of a song that is in the album Kumba. Yeah,
0: just a, yeah, we could do that. You want to do it's it now or short... at the end? Uh we, whenever you whenever want. you want. Let's do it now, just in case. Partway through the conversation, you start to hate us. At least we don't oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> just in case. And at the end,
1: you go, "Yeah, we're not going to play."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Right. One, two. One,
2: Come come on, come on, come on, come on, come 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 Bam 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 comana comba 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 bam 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 comana rapidita datate comana 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 comba
0: wow that was incredible
3: <laughs> incredible to get to do that at this time
0: <laughs> wow so t- tell me what was that
2: that was an um it's a song by la lupe and we covered that song in our album. And then we did a song after called Baila Canadá. So La Lupe did this song very, you know, slow and in, the, in yeah. the 70s, something like that. So we just do this very fast version and virtuoso kind of a way with, with vocals.
0: And it's a lot of fun. Nice. It's kumba kumba. What does that mean? Is there a meaning? Nothing. It's a, it's, a, it's a game. <laughs> it's,
3: a, it's a game tuber. of words. It's like oh.
0: That was awesome. <laughs> We've that was never started
1: off a show like that before. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe I should just ask that to everybody. Do you, to Do you want to play something? Yeah. Your your band name Okan. Okan. Yeah. Okan. Um, it means heart. Yes, yeah? it does. And it's it's from, uh, I, I I in my readings, it's from an Afro-Cuban religion called Santeria. Sente, Santeria. Santeria. yes. Santa yes. T- tell me tell me about the the importance of that name, why the two of you landed on that name
2: um, well it is it is important to know that the afro Cuban heritage in uh, in Cuba is very important uh, and very prominent, and we are part of that. We belong to the religion uh, the afro Cuban religion that we got from our ancestors. Um, one side of our ancestors, the African, the other side is the Spanish. And we also got influences from, from that too and from the music. Uh, and the name "Heart" actually, my aunt was the one that helped us pick the name. My, sorry. My aunt was the one that helped us pick the name. And uh, my name in the in the religion is Okantomi, which means... Um, the heart of Oshun. heart of Oshun. Oshun is my goddess. Yeah. So the the simpler version of that was Okan, which is heart, and we are uh, so far a very happily married couple and created this band together. So the name seemed very appropriate for for the band.
0: Nice.
1: And did did the did the the band come before the relationship or the relationship? was the became the band or how like
2: actually no the, the, the band groups.
3: the religion was first uh-huh. and okay. then the
0: band came out awesome yeah awesome uh, that was that was greg's spicy question that's it i'm
3: done um
0: i don't know whether to start whether uh, elizabeth to start with you or or magdalise to, to start with you but tell me you can both sort of answer this um Tell, tell me about getting started in music, your influences, and, uh, you know, to, to get to where you are today.
3: Well, um, it's impossible not to be into music when you're from Cuba, right? I mean, music, it's all we breathe uh, down there. Uh, it's part of the uh, culture. Uh, it's a cultural expression as well. Uh, I, I'm not saying that every single Cuban does music or is musical, because that that would be lying. <laughs> but ninety-five percent, yeah, it's a, a high percentage of people in Cuba. They love music. Uh, they love dancing. It's it's very. I don't know. I guess it's the weather. <laughs> you know, it's very nice, and the heat makes you dance and and happy, and the sun. And, uh, of course, it's impossible not to be influenced by that society, like, of happiness in that in that matter, right? And um, so I started really young, um, seven years old in music. Wow. I was singing at home. I was playing instruments, uh, toy instruments, actually. <laughs> and no one in my house was a musician. So I am the only one in my house that does music. Everybody else was uh, doctors or uh, sports people, which it's the other one that the Cubans do a lot, right? So mm-hmm. that basically I was the one inclined into the music and so many bands. So, I mean, in Cuba, the heritage for music, is so big that it's impossible not to be influenced by it. So for me, and I come from Santiago de Cuba, which is um, very... Uh, ancient in tradition
2: city in cuba so of course that's me then uh i started in music because i was singing since i was very very young and i was very annoying so my mother put me in a in a choir at three years old because she, she said you need to go sing somewhere else otherwise you're gonna just drive me crazy um mm-hmm. So it was more of my mother trying to get rid of me <laughs> and sing somewhere <laughs> else. And then the teacher of the, um, the choir told my mom about this, um, I don't know, how do you say it? The tests they were doing at the auditions. music school, auditions, music school. So then at seven, I started playing violin uh, and I had a Russian teacher and it wasn't fun
0: for a um, long time. It wasn't?
2: No, no. It was very strict Mm-hmm. And and very hard and with a lot of pressure, Uh it was even traumatizing for many kids actually. Um, didn't <laughs> who didn't finish? Who didn't finish? They couldn't keep up with the pressure. And uh, I had a Russian teacher that was very very hard wow. on on all of us. <laughs> but that also made me a, a concert master of the youth orchestra. So wow, yeah, you you get this, yeah.
0: When did it become, when did it start becoming fun for you?
2: Actually, when I was, I would say 15, 16, um, I started at the in that school. They had different chamber um, orchestras, <inaudible> ensembles, and I started playing Cuban music. I started playing classical music in the chamber. Um, ensemble, and the symphony the symphony orchestra, just, I fell in love with it so badly that I was not the greatest student. And once I started playing in the symphonic, I was just a, a good student. I was great, and I would never miss that. It was so crazy. I was like, okay, I really like this.
0: <laughs> wow, so it took, it took a little bit of time, but you, you ended up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I
2: was... And I was good at it. And because I was good, I didn't want to practice. That was the problem. (laughs) And I would just get things very fast. She she had the exact exact same problem. So the practicing part was like, uh, oh, and it was hard. Like it was not like kids here. They go to a music school there and just once a week. No, it was every day doing two schools. So in the morning music school, in the afternoon, the regular school and tons of practice and hours and hours of practice. My not
3: wife. fun. Not a not fun, fun childhood at all. <laughs> we um, did not
2: play outside no. or, or do any. Well, of those I remember things. like
3: all I wanted to do was play and watch TV, you know, and and I couldn't do it. I had to
2: practice
3: and that's why you watch tv now so much because i've paid my dues with that
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's it (laughs) oh my god this woman can watch tv for eight
3: hours oh god yes i can't i never did you know it was it was very little like it was only 15 minutes and then back to practice and that wasn't fun at all and and i we told you a lot of people God left behind, you mm-hmm. know, stayed in the way because they couldn't finish. The pressure was so high. And, you know, we're little kids going to school at eight o'clock in the morning and leaving school at 7 p.m. You know, it was like very Russian method. Um, strict. Strict. Very, very strict. But here we are. But here we are. We yeah. we stayed and here we are. <laughs> it pays off. <laughs>
0: So Elizabeth, you started with uh, violin
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, Magdalise, what what were you playing? What was your instrument?
3: Well, I started in piano because percussion wasn't a girl instrument. So I took percussion afterwards without my family knowing Mm -hmm. and I fell in love with percussion and I left piano (laughs) I had to graduate from piano because I promised my mom that I would do it so I finished it and then that was it I'm like (laughs) okay I'm done with piano (laughs) because it's very very strict and but percussion for me was so much fun uh still hard because it was orchestral percussion but uh, Nothing like piano. Piano is another level, <laughs> but I don't know, I mean, I just fell in love with percussion. For me, nice. that
1: was it. And I mean. at what age was that that you sort of moved from piano? And and the, the other question I wanted to ask was also, you know, is it, was it a normal thing to be streamed like that for most kids? Or were you specifically streamed to that music school because of your talents?
3: Well, it, it, actually, the auditions are very hard for little kids. Yeah, no, it's fine. not easy. And I mean, our families coming from the poor area, both in our cities, we had no access or no knowledge. Our families had no knowledge that this school existed or how to get in hmm. or someone inside that could help your kid to get, get in. You know, some people would pay their way into the school. Um, or I mean, once we got to the schools, we saw that the other kids weren't the same as us, you know, like these kids had, know uh, they were going to school in cars or they had the big houses, you know, uh, I was the only black kid in my classroom also. And my city is considered a black city, let's say, you know, okay, because right. we have the, uh, Haitian, Soto side and Jamaican side so it's considered in Cuba the black city uh Santiago Guantanamo Granma. so but I was still the only black kid in my classroom so imagine how high level and I don't want to say racist but uh, um, yeah I was classist
0: <laughs> <laughs> the schools where wait so where were the other kids from
2: from Santiago,
3: from, from city, the
0: same yeah. city,
2: but because Cuba is a melting pot, like a lot of people think uh, Cubas are either white, uh, like Miami Cubans, or black, like musicians Cubans. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, we, <laughs> but we have everything, and oh. it is a very interesting um, mix, mix mm-hmm. like and... Actually, Cubans are pretty gorgeous, to be honest. But look at us. But,
1: <laughs> and modest. Person.
2: And modest. But I'm um, No, not at all. Cubans
1: have zero, <laughs> zero, zero
2: modesty. Modest zero. zero. Uh, <laughs> that, does mod- that doesn't grow there. <laughs> but um, it is also the fact that the, the kids of other artists or other very famous artists were part of the of the school in my my school there were other black kids but we were a handful mm. and uh, and i remember actually they we, we had a name we had a, a name from the teachers because we were a lot of uh girls black girls we were a team <laughs> we were not good either we we didn't help uh, but they called las negritas you know like the the, the little oh, black, the black, girls. black girls yeah yeah but the negra, the uh, N-word in Cuba, does not have the same meaning like no, no, here. No same like, word. I call myself negra, and I don't see that as a problem. Or, for or us, it's pride. But for is different. I different. Mean, they were saying it in a... They weren't, they weren't saying it in a good way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, it, it did, was a yeah, different meaning. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: Listen, before I forget, congrats on the new album, by the way. Yes. Oh, thank thank you. you. Espiral, am I pronouncing that? Espiral. That's yes. Espiral. Um it means spiral. Mm-hmm. See, I, I know my Spanish. Um,
1: it <laughs> was just
0: that. it was just released or just released. Just it released was... October 9th. Awesome. Well congratulations on that. Um Thank you. tell me tell tell us about the album.
2: The album is uh very interesting and uh I would say very colorful and full of different layers. Uh, It has the support of so many different artists. We invited so many different people that each song has a different flavor and style. That's exactly what we do. You cannot place Okan into one box of, oh, they play this genre. No, we don't. (laughs) We play many genres, and that's why we call it Espiral. Uh-huh. Because we go in a spiral, we go around different times. Uh, we also not only influenced by the Cuban music and the different styles and and times of Cuban music, but also influenced by uh, other musics from here that we live in Toronto. It's such a multicultural city, and um, we we are influenced by. Brazilian music and Turkish music and all these different oh. things. That's why, um, Max was, uh, performing with, uh, the Turkish ensemble yeah. when she got here. And that's when she wrote that tune called boundaries in the, in the album.
3: Indiana.
2: And we called one of the best clarinet players from Turkey that lives here in Toronto. And we called him to perform. And it was very, it was very interesting. Uh, and we loved it. Espiral is our, our newest kid.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> who's, who's the clarinet player? Like?
2: Selshuk yeah. Suna.
1: He, we talked about him on, I think, the podcast with Chris Burkett, KK. Back yeah, there. no, he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was somebody who Chris <laughs> mentioned that we should really give a listen to and take a deeper dive. Mm-hmm. It
2: he's
3: very good, very good. And mm-hmm. I mean, uh, again, we're so lucky to live in this city um, that has so many cultures, and it's impossible not to be influenced by them too, right? So yeah. uh, I got the opportunity to open my mind, my ears, you know, to my heart, to new cultures and, and new flavors of music. And you know what? We're not that different after all. Like playing with yeah. this uh, different communities made me believe in my core that we're not different. So through music, many, many things have uh, points of contact, you know, like we, uh, Turkish music, it's very similar to our Afro-Cuban music in certain time signatures and uh, certain words, certain songs are very similar to lullabies from our santeria. So it's it's very, it's weird how that works Uh, in this world where we all believe to be different. We're mm-hmm. just branches of the same tree, right? Um, we, we're just the same. The Brazilians the same. We have this love affair with Brazilians and, and Brazilian music. We, we cannot, I mean, it's mutual because they, they love Cubans <laughs> and Cuban music also. And I don't know, so much rich. We also play a
2: merengue from Dominican Republic. Exactly. And we had a, a dominicano to play it in the album. You know, this song that we um, we just did at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me about this collaboration you did with, uh, is it uh, Talmari Diaz? Talmari Diaz. Yeah.
2: Yeah, she is such an incredible rapper from Cuba. And as you can imagine, we come from this macho Latino culture. So mm-hmm. a woman that uh, does rap is is not very common and she has been in the game for a few years. I don't want to say many. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually grew up listening to to her work. Now and you to, just killed her. Yeah, I just <laughs> killed her. Uh, <laughs> no, but that we were good. very no, no young into music. Right. Um and she was part of um the bands that we were listening to. And she's a legend in the Cuban music industry. She's also a Canadian citizen. Um, and she lived here, she has been living here for many years now. Um, so it seemed very appropriate for us to finally do something with her.
0: Yeah, that must have been exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about that song, though. I, I was reading somewhere, there's a, a music rhythm that, that is yes. used that song. Can you can you tell us about that a bit? Belong that's the genre.
3: Um, Belong is from the sixties, seventies uh, in Cuba. Very popular dance way of dancing. Uh, it mimics uh, the movement of the hips from women in the fields uh, grinding coffee. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, no coffee grinders. Used to be women doing this job, and the movement from the hips created this. Uh, contagious rhythm that every Cuban loved back in the day and but it, I don't know for some reason it stopped of being in the popular it, year, just it just evolved to something else. People
2: just stopped yeah. playing it but that they just that sound like it. one, two, three. It yeah. it comes from from that um from that sound. From
3: that sound and, and we just uh wanted to rescue i don't know pay tribute to a genre like this with this rhythm is fantastic and then bringing the rap from tamari to it uh just to wrap with this kind of uh song that actually is a double entendre song because it talks about the struggle of the cuban people to find food especially cuban women. especially cuban women were the ones who have this tedious (laughs) tedious <laughs> job, you know, to, to mm. feed the family. And it's done with humor because that's the way Cubans do it uh, with the double entendre. That's part of the culture. It, it's always been there. Uh, so we wanted to make ours that part of the culture as well and do it with this
0: balloon Yeah. So you're here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yes. When did you, when did the both of you come to Canada.
2: I came to Canada in 2013. But then I lived in the States for a little bit. And then I came back here.
0: Okay. 2015. And what I was the, the reason? Yeah. The what grandma. was the reason? Yeah. Why, why, why come here? Why, why not? <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: no. Okay. 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 We did not come here for the weather.
0: No. Nope.
2: Definitely. Uh, but we are here Running away from communism and a dictatorship, and uh, the hardship that represents to be a Cuban living in Cuba with this color and uh, any other color, <laughs> and um, running away from the suffering, the hunger, the, the all these bad things that come with a dictatorship.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A lot of people don't understand because when you go to Cuba, of course you see a beautiful resort. They don't the sell that; Ooh, they it sell so the good beautiful. image, and it is beautiful. Yes, but unfortunately, when you go down there and uh, and stay in a hotel, you're actually basically supporting that dictatorship because all of that money goes to them. Mm-hmm. So it is a very difficult and tricky situation. Because even now that the Cubans have this movement of stop sending money, stop going to Cuba, trying to stop your friends to go to Cuba, we do have our families there and they're struggling. So it's really hard not to send money because they literally have our families hostages hmm. because we cannot bring them here. Also, the hard. Canadian government does not make it easier for a Cuban to come here. Yeah, that's very important to clarify too. The the Canadians go down to Cuba very openly and no visa needed, and you can go whenever you want. And Cubans need this amount of paperwork in order to prove that they can come here and not they're not going to stay living here, even though when we come here, we are working and paying Uh taxes. So the the two sides
3: of the story
2: are very complicated, um, and Cubans go anywhere. If you look right now, any country you type, there's a Cuban. Yeah, Cubans yeah. go wherever they can go, even to Haiti. They go to Haiti. Matter. It doesn't matter. The thing is, leave. The thing Cuba. is, just getting out of Cuba. Yeah.
1: And so, what what can what can like aside from the tourism side of it, what what can we do? What can people do to help support? change or help support the people there right now
3: um you know educate people that's what we're doing educating uh-huh. people to really understand the situation down there that is not as they sell it that image of uh health uh you know utopia or education utop- utopia that is not the truth so um sometimes we're called crazy when you say these things to people, especially here in Canada, because so so many Canadians have been there, right, for so many years and they don't see or they don't want to see the truth. Um and it's it's very touching. I mean it's really hard for us to to see this. I
2: said um when we said free health care, because mm-hmm. a lot of Canadians mentioned that like well uh, you do have free health care. Yeah. Guess what? I, I the the question I have to Canadians is, okay, what if you trade your free health care for your freedom? And that's the way it is in Cuba. We're not free. We cannot get out. We cannot travel back and forth. We cannot make money. We cannot do a business. We cannot do well, anything. The healthcare
3: system and the health care also,
2: it is very bad. Yeah. Our hospitals are not safe. The hospitals in Cuba are not safe. The, the money that the people that work in hospitals, the money they make is, my mother is a nurse and she makes $50 a month.
0: Mm. Yep.
2: Barely to eat. So um, what can you do is, first of like Max said, is inform yourself a little bit more about Cuba. For now, at this very minute, no one can travel anywhere. But for now, because Cuba hasn't been receiving that big amount of tourism the government is actually feeling it for the first time so we're maybe seeing a little bit of ray of light out there because people are starting to speak up a little bit more the situation is really really bad uh but unfortunately that's the only way that people would wake up because we've been brainwashed for over 60 years. So you cannot (laughs) clean that. So uh, at another time, I would have said, don't go and stay in a hotel, Uh go and stay with somebody and give the money. But at the end of the day, the money actually goes back to the government Uh at
0: some point. No matter where you go. No No matter matter where you go. go. And does that, does that,
1: how does that message play into your live shows? Like, do you bring that into your live shows to yes, educate? Yeah, us? we always
3: say it. We always say every time we perform, and every time we do certain songs, we always mention this. Uh, fortunately, always a personnel from the Cuban government. They are in the audience, so they can hear us. They're here. <laughs> They're here. They're everywhere, and they can hear it and. You know what? Now they're fighting to be uh, part of the human rights, uh, uh, the UN, you know, they want to be part of that. They want to have a seat there. And a lot of Cubans are speaking up in the world saying, like, you don't deserve to be there because you don't respect human rights. So you don't deserve that position. But uh, you know, some people are defending them because they don't really know or they don't want the situation in Cuba to change, huh. which is very sad. And I don't know. I guess it's a mine gold. <laughs> it's a gold mine, you know, uh, to huh. go down there. It's a place uh, that it's beautiful. It's uh, it, not a lot of Americans go there, which for a lot of people means paradise. <laughs> uh you know, it has no McDonald's, not nothing. But you have no McDonald's, but we don't have food. We have the old cars. We are lost in time. And that is not sustainable. You know, our houses are falling apart because no one fixes them. And it's very beautiful when you take a picture to that house, the old buildings. but. You don't know that people are living there, you know, people live there and they they're dying also there because the houses are falling on them. Huh. So it's, it's it's very sad. Like we try not to be so dark at the yeah. concerts, <laughs> 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 trying to keep it, you know, again, with humor and double entendres. But we mm-hmm. we do say things like we say the words, the hard words, dictatorship, um, you know, bad government. Like we do say these things. Mm-hmm. And that we are not far right.
2: Yes, important to <laughs> clarify yes. that we are not. We do not belong to the far right Cubans that support Trump in Miami. We are yeah. in the middle area. We're in area. the middle that has no party. <laughs> yeah, because yes. unfortunately, yeah, Cubans are so traumatized yeah. that when they come here, when they go to the States, they want everything as far as possible from that left side, right? Mm-hmm. So there is... There are millions of Cubans that support Trump, and I'm very ashamed of that.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: it's like no
3: matter
1: what, Trump. Wow, that's that's really interesting because my wife and I were talking about sort of the Miami scene, and we're like, you know, because Florida is going to be a pivotal state. It always, is as always, Florida is always the
3: conservative, uh,
2: white uh, empowerment uh, state, right?
1: Yeah, but I always
2: yeah. also I also mention that it is important to know the background of why Cubans are doing that. Those Cubans, those, the grandfathers uh, of those people were the ones that lost everything when Fidel came into power. They were very hardworking people like here. Imagine that you're here, you own your business, you have your things. And then all of a sudden this guy comes and says, this belongs to the people and you lose your business. This is is mine now. Yeah. And you lose your business. So these people lost very big things. Their entire families fell apart and they had to start from scratch in, in, in another country. So they do have hard feelings. They lost mansions and houses and all these things. Well, they were put in jail because um, they didn't believe in the Exactly. You know, so
3: the this revolution. is why
2: they're so harsh. Mm-hmm. They're radical because of it. But I mean, that's not. I don't, I don't share their, their opinions <laughs> yeah. or their look. But I also understand where it comes from because when you lose everything, then you're like, okay, this is how I don't like it. Mm -hmm.
0: You're sort of running away from one thing and running towards something else.
3: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: So were you, were the both of you refugees? I was. Mags is. Okay. And yourself, you just haven't gone back? Nope. You're still on vacation.
3: Still on vacation.
0: (laughs) No No comment.
3: (laughs) No comment. I don't think we're going back. I'm waiting.
2: I'm waiting for the Canadian government to uh, do her paperwork. She's been waiting for her citizenship for two years. Hey.
3: Hello, we're here. Thanks to
2: COVID.
3: uh, everything stopped. I don't know why. Because it's paper or online applications. And people can do that work from home. So I don't know. It's just like a lot of people were left behind, like limbo uh, status here because of it. Like no tests and no citizenship Uh, uh Were they are doing that? Like the oaths, uh, they are doing it now online. by online, but it's very slow. I mean, very very slow. I don't. Sure. I don't get it. No.
0: <laughs> yes. Tell me about, the both of you were part of this Grammy-nominated project back in the day, or I don't know if it was back in the day or if it was last year, Jane Burnett and Mm -hmm. Makiki? Three,
2: four years ago?
3: Yeah,
0: and (laughs) Makeke. I'm sorry about (laughs) my pronunciation. It's so... (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) No, 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 we're not laughing at you, definitely.
2: Um...
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay. What do you want to know? But yeah, t- tell us tell us about uh, about that project. Tell us about that experience.
2: Uh, it, it was definitely a, the the highlights of our 20s. <laughs> now we're 30. Um <laughs> Oh no, no, that was that was my divorce, sorry. Yeah. Um <laughs> I know. (laughs) I mean, it was a great opportunity uh,
3: to be in that band. Thanks to that band, I came to Canada touring and I stayed here. Um, It was amazing to share the stage with so many fantastic musicians uh, from all over the world. And the Cuban Girls on Travel, uh, I learned a lot of things like that's why we create our own band. We create, we created this because we knew now we know how to like organize a tour and how to do paperwork for immigration, because we are, I mean, you have Cubans in the band. You need to go through the hurdles of uh, immigration. It's not just a work permit. It's visas, it's passports. It's a bunch of permits. And, um, it's very, very tiring, but I was the one doing all the paperwork before for the previous band for Maqueque. So I now know I'm an expert now. <laughs> ah. I, I was doing it for years and then I created my own band. I was playing with Cubans, too,
2: and it was it became easy because of it. And Jane yeah. Bonet has been a, um, a Canadian that has worked with Cubans for the last 35 years she is actually kind of like responsible for bringing Cuban music to, so to opinions, Canada. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Um, uh, 35 years ago, she discovered Cuban music and paraphrasing what she said once, she found gold. Yeah. And uh, uh, depending how you say that in the context sounds good or bad, but in this how case... Does it sound,
0: how does it sound to you?
2: Well, when a white person says... We went down there and we found gold. How does that sound to you?
0: Huh.
2: Hmm. So um, <laughs> there is a lot of uh, story behind it uh, because it was definitely a great experience for us. I There's no, no doubt. No, no, no. Yeah. There's no doubt. Uh, because as the local, she had the tools and the opportunities to show us She was the one with the the information and with the knowledge and with the um, privilege to take this bunch of Cubans' travel here and there. Um, Nowadays, fortunately, things are changing a little bit and Cubans and Afro-Cubans and people from all different cultures can do their own thing on their own
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and be represented the way they wanted to be represented. I see. And that's what Okan is uh, doing. Uh,
1: so so you learned all that, you've you become a immigration expert, maybe lawyer. Yeah, we'll
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> have <laughs> making There's way so more money <laughs> <end of> than <laughs> the career.
1: That's fine. Uh, so so you, you you know, you 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 learned all that, you you were able to do it for yourselves, you know, you're about to release your second album, and here we are covid Here we are. so so yeah. what what's changed up for you i mean obviously not traveling you got a, i know you got a live stream coming up in a couple of days I think, a few days yeah um so what what have you what have you had to change up and how have you changed things to support the new album
2: well definitely buying a lot of gear to record things at home Uh, that we are ready I remember giving her a very hard time because she would buy this little cable and that other cable and Amazon was knocking on our doors every single day uh, with something that she bought a microphone, this and that Uh, but then when COVID hit we had I got it. a lot of things. <laughs> we were ready yes. to do live shows with a better sound quality because, uh, if you remember, at first a lot of people were just showing up like mm-hmm. with their guitars, like nothing, and the sound is really, really bad. Um, so we were one of the first uh, in Toronto to to do the live concerts with you know mics and things to. Improve a little like the bit. the home
3: sessions huh. yeah. sort of The thing. experience. Like, we didn't have the gear, like professional gear from the studio, of course. Um, but, you know, from home, we could make that sound happen. You know, we used a mixer, an iRig, uh, you know, mics. Uh, we used a lot of, of gear <laughs> that I had. <laughs> and uh, it was great. The other thing I, I
2: learned was... Um, I'm learning a lot about the back things that happen. I'm, I'm helping our manager and, and the Lula world uh, record label that we belong to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm learning a lot about the the record labels and helping other mm-hmm. artists promote their uh, music and, and trying to stay busy within social media. I did learn a lot of things about social media, um, just trying to stay, keep up with what is happening. Even though it is not the same. It will never be the same. Um, and we're just trying to stay. To here, survive these to dark times.
3: <laughs> and we definitely learned all these months to be a one man show. You know, it, it it's very hard before we used to worry about the music only. Now you have to worry about the sound, the lights, Uh, The production in general. So the music and uh, the quality and the camera, this camera here, the position like, oh, it's a it's a nightmare uh, three or one minute before the live goes on because anything can go wrong and there's no one else there to help you in case, uh, someone cannot hear anything, you know, you don't have a sound person. So you're your own sound person. And if you want that streaming to be flawless, you have to uh, create a life before that and make sure everything is fine. Like it, it's a nightmare. It's very wow. tiring and nerve wracking. We get and, uh, super nervous. We get so nervous every time we have to, it sounds then, a lot
1: like working with Kareem. So.
3: Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks, These are the guys. moments when those things yeah. get out, you know? They, yeah. they,
0: I've bottling <laughs> up. I've been holding them for a long time. Wow. you feel better now? I'm very cathartic. Thank you. <laughs> nice. You're welcome. Uh, do you... So are you searching... For opportunities to participate in um, live stream events or are you doing your own thing
2: sometimes we do our own thing um, all of the live events all, that we have yeah. done is because we either get contact by the people that want us or or that we organize something um, okay but we are definitely and I know this is going to sound a little bit harsh but That's her. <laughs> it is me. Um, we are definitely not here to do live streams for free because it costs us of a course. lot of money. All the gear costs money. We still have to pay bills for this. Time. And so I remember at first everybody was just running crazy just towards Facebook. You're like, I'm here in the live stream. That's great. But unfortunately, if you give your work for free all the time... It, it's just not in going arms. to be appreciated. Yeah. And yeah. it's also hurting the other musicians within the community. So it's important that uh, venues, I know the venues also don't have money, but you know, at first people were and uh, the venues were trying to pay the musicians from grants that they had and everything just got accommodated to that. Now, again, in the summer, there was kind of like a drought. There was no money. <laughs> no one was offering anything and i think people are starting to apply again for grants so eventually we're going to see uh again payments or decent payments
0: yeah because yeah. we
2: some we got some very ridiculous offers like oh can you do a live show for 150 dollars like the entire band for 150 dollars yeah like, no, <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. What kind of performance do you want? Yeah. Like for
3: $150, you get what you pay for, yeah. <laughs> you know? But we, we, I mean, it's us. We're not giving you a bad performance because you cannot pay. We uh, gracefully turn you down. That's what yeah. we do. And no hard feelings. I mean, in the future, yes, sure, let's make it happen when once the budget is It's better because I cannot I don't have the face to call my musicians and tell them, guys, we're only doing this for one hundred and fifty dollars. You're going home with twenty dollars. That's going to make me feel really bad, like worse just to pay someone that has kids twenty dollars, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's not fair to them to play for an hour, 45 minutes. It's not fair to anybody. Uh, just to maintain a festival or a venue, or or just for the pleasure of performing. Yes, I can call my musicians for pleasure, and yeah. we just jam at home. But it, they know what they're getting. You know, they yeah. know it, it's for fun. You know, we have some drinks. We get together. It's a it's a great excuse to get together and all that. But not on the seriousness of a performance. That this is our job, and our job is real, and we are underappreciated enough already
0: to do this you you talk about even newer artists and you know back in March, April, May uh, you know we were loving it when these quote unquote popular artists would do a free live stream right and we go oh isn't this awesome so and so is doing this and it was amazing it's great yeah and they can afford to though right It's, it's no big deal to them, yeah. right? But then when mm-hmm. you think about, you know, those musicians who, they're not pop stars, but they're obviously talented, but they're, they're in a genre like, like yourselves, where, mm-hmm, exactly. you know, there's not a million people that are out buying tickets or albums or anything like that, but there's still a, a group of fans that you guys play to. But when Mm -hmm. everyone else is doing it free, there must be a lot of pressure to sort of participate rather than hold back and look for opportunities where you can pay everybody properly.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's why we have gotten uh, offers from the NAC, different festivals that we were about to play, um, like um, Philadelphia Folk Festival, uh, Mariposa. A folk Festival um, different places where they had the budget and they had the, the the grants and things to pay us and the city of for example we, we did TD Jazz Festival we yeah. did it for the city of Toronto and the city <clears throat> doesn't pay a lot but it's the city of Toronto and we belong to them and, and we feel like okay let's just do something for the city and, and stay connected with our community don't get me wrong sometimes we do things that are not on our super profitable uh, yeah, exactly, bad. but it doesn't mean that I have to do that every weekend, like yeah. I see yeah. many musicians sure. that turn on their lives on every Saturday.
0: yeah mm-hmm. that's that's wild mm-hmm. what have you what have the two of you learned about the music business? You said someone said earlier that it's, it's, it has changed, it's not going to go back. Um, are you? Actively looking at other ways to monetize what you do or change up what you do?
2: Um, well, we are putting a lot of effort into this album, promoting it as much as we can. So eventually stream, streams get higher and, and we make some money with that, which... We believe more in making the 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 live concert experience yeah. rather than nothing the, beats the, the live experience. Nothing. nothing. I love the streaming, and I would get. I would mm. love to get millions of streams, but for me, it has way more value to actually finally be in front of people and perform and get claps at the end of each song that would be amazing and the energy <laughs>
3: from the people right yeah that, that is missed a
2: lot it's not the same to perform from a, a but perform. we've been very lucky we yeah. actually a, a tiny desk just came out that we did with Lido Vimienta I mean it was Lido Vimienta's tiny desk and we were we are guests on her album yeah um nice. and so this just came out today Uh, we did a recording with Bomba Stereo, which is a Colombian very famous band and right before COVID we were in Colombia recording with them and that is coming out also this um, this fall and we might go on tour with them once things open and I'm pretty sure bands like that are going to get to tour first
0: Yeah, (laughs) the famous band yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah um so if we get to tour with bomba stereo that would be really good um okan still here'm fighting we're gonna
0: keep pushing and doing our thing nice was this an album that was made prior to covid or yes yes okay and you guys were just tired of waiting for it just release it
3: yeah, I know. I mean, it was really ready to be released before, but then ago. a long time ago. But then uh, Sombras, our previous album, got nominated for the Junos. Yeah. yeah. So we just finished a tour um, like last summer with Sombras. Everybody loved it. We went to the States and Canada uh, with that touring with that album. And then it got nominated for the Junos. So we're like, oh, we cannot release Espiral yet. <laughs> we have to keep playing Sombras. And we were supposed to go on tour again this summer promoting Espiral, uh, Espiral uh, to get people, you know, get them in the year, like starting to warm off people with the, the album. And then COVID hit. So... Well, it had to be now I guess <laughs>
2: well, but basically, basically it's what every artist yeah. is doing is releasing music so yeah, yeah that's all we can do
1: yeah a lot of people have been holding off but you're gonna have to release it at some point and we don't know when we're gonna be on the other side of this yeah exactly right yeah, yeah. So, so one of the questions that we like to ask um, just before we wrap it up because I know we're coming up on the hour is you know what what are you listening to lately what's been in your earbuds that people should check out
2: Wow To be honest I know she does not need Any promotion But that album Is so So good uh, The latest album By Beyonce um, Black, Black is, is King. King It is so good And the greatest part Is because he has so many African art, um, Artists Doing their own thing That mm. she's not even in it or Sometimes or, song, okay.
3: or just mm-hmm.
2: A little bit You can hear Beyonce's voice Back there Um so it is so good that we cannot say we were obsessed with it for like two months. I know. Just <laughs> listening Non-stop. to it every day. Non-stop. And we watch the, um, the movie and it's very, um, it's a work of art. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's very
3: um, But to listen to, uh, we listen to all kinds of stuff. Always, but that was the album that we listened to the most. most. Yeah, this summer. This this summer, yeah. That was
0: the one. Nice. Elizabeth Magdalise, thank you so much for joining us. Before I I let you go, tell everybody where they can find your music, where they can find when you're doing your next live stream. Tell us all of that very important information.
2: Okay, so October 16th, we are doing a live stream on our Mm -hmm. Facebook page, which is Ocam Musica, Cuba. So if you put Ocam Musica on our website, you can find all all of the information about our band. Uh, Please go and buy the music on Bandcamp. You can go and stream the music on Spotify and Apple Music, music. Mm -hmm. but if you buy it from Bandcamp, it we received an email that it says somebody bought your music. Kachin. And I really like those <laughs> yes. emails. It's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> by little by little. It's not like yeah. a fortune, but. Not um, so if people can go and buy the music, that would be very, very important and supporting us directly. It goes to our PayPal.
0: What's your website?
2: Okan Musica. So it's music in, an, uh, in Spanish, so an A at the end. Ocanmusica.com. Dot com.
0: Dot com. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. It's been
2: so much fun. Thank you.